0: This is The Voice Podcast Network.
1: Alright, welcome to Horror Saxa. My name is Kate, and I am a junior in the college. Uh, my name is Bahar, and I'm a sophomore in the MSB. So, Bahar, how
0: did you get interested in true crime? Um, so, I actually didn't know anything about true crime until... Um, My friend in high school, she would, like, show me all these true crime documentaries on Netflix. Like, that's all she would watch, and I had to watch it with her. Um, And there were some very interesting cases. Like, I remember the Cecil Hotel and um, the case of—there was this, like, Indian family that they all committed, like— like mass suicide it was just so fascinating to me that i started digging into other cases and i got really into it how
1: about you i started watching like true crime youtubers when i was in high school it's one of my family friends showed me this one youtuber she really liked i cannot remember for the life of me what case we watched but i just remember that i found it so interesting and i went home and i went down a rabbit hole of watching all of these videos And I remember the one case that really caught my attention was Belle Gunness. Um, She's known as the first female serial killer in the U.S. Um, And I was just so fascinated by the case. And I've always, like, ever since then, I've just found true crime to be really, really interesting.
0: I really like how you can sometimes, in true crime cases, there's, like, You never know if it's gonna be, like, a psycho killer, or, like, I like to think sometimes that there's something supernatural involved, because I'm just like, there's no way something like this happened, or, like, something, like, they don't know what it was. Like, unsolved true crimes are crazy.
1: Yeah, the ones that have more of, like, a supernatural aspect to it are so interesting to me, too, because when I was in, like, middle school, I was a big Shane Dawson fan at his prime. I loved watching his conspiracy videos. Um, obviously, I don't watch his videos anymore. He's done some things. But um, it was just a natural transition to go from, like, these conspiracy theory videos to mm-hmm. learning about the real-life things. Um, and, like you said, like, the, the ones that definitely, like, have... Something that is so off about them that it's got to be something supernatural, those fascinate me so much.
0: I agree. Oh, I eat those up. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, today, we don't have much of a supernatural case. Um, This case took place in Bethesda, Maryland at a Lululemon store in March 2011. Before we get into the case, we wanted to give a quick disclaimer. This podcast is for educational purposes only. All information in this podcast was gathered from research done by myself and Bahar, and any opinions stated throughout the podcast are ours and ours only. Please keep in mind that the people we talk about in this case are real people who are greatly impacted by the events of this case. And as a quick content warning, this case includes themes of sexual assault, racism, and extreme physical violence. If these are topics that you are not comfortable hearing about, we suggest that you tune out of this podcast, and hopefully you'll be able to tune into our next episode. So this case takes place in March of 2011, There were two employees at a Lululemon store in Bethesda, Maryland, which is right around the corner from Georgetown. Um, Jana Murray and Brittany Norwood were on the closing shift at this store. And the next morning, the employee that was on the opening shift went to open the store and found that the doors were already unlocked and the store was extremely disheveled. So immediately, red flags are going off.
0: I love to talk about how this was so like interesting because it was the same day that like he, I think a new iPad was being released um at the Apple Store next door so there was a huge line of Apple enthusiasts just like camping overnight at the Apple Store and waiting for the new product to come out and then uh one of the people in the line realized that the manager was struggling and trying to figure out like what was going on in the store because the door was unlocked and they basically tried to investigate the store together. Yeah, so
1: the manager went into the store with this random man. I cannot remember his name. I think it was Ryan. I think that sounds right. <laughs> um, she grabbed somebody from the line and he offered to go into the store with her. Because at this point, it's looking a little bit like a robbery. She looked inside the store and there were things knocked over everywhere. Um, it looked like somebody broke into the store overnight to rob it. She didn't know if this person could still be in the store. She didn't know if it was dangerous for her to go into the store. So she grabbed money from outside. He volunteered to go walk through with her. And while they're walking through, it's getting scarier and scarier. The cash registers were opened and completely empty. They found broken glass everywhere. Things were knocked over. And the further back into the store they went, into the back rooms, they start seeing blood everywhere, including bloody footprints, hands smeared across the wall. And eventually they found Jaina Murray, who had been brutally attacked and killed, and Brittany Norwood, who was bound by zip ties and was clearly injured but still alive. So at
0: this point, um, the manager had already called 911 and when they went into the back door and they kind of saw like a dead body and then um, Brittany who was still kind of alive they called like uh, emergency services for like the EMT come, come over and figure out if they can um, basically uh, if Brittany can survive and it was a very interesting crime scene because Basically, Jaina Murray was ripped apart. She had 331 separate wounds um, everywhere on her body. And with a lot of different tools uh, and weapons, including a rope, hammer, wrench, a Buddha statue um, was found close to her body. And there was just a lot going on and they couldn't figure out how this happened.
1: Yeah, so while Jaina had all of these brutal injuries, including 200 that were just focused on her face, her neck, and her head, with these five different weapons, Brittany Norwood mainly had superficial injuries. Um, She had a gash on her head and a cut on her hand that needed stitches, but everything other than that seemed not to be serious. So it was very confusing to see this drastic difference Between Jaina who was attacked to the point of not being able to survive and Brittany who just needed to be stitched up and could be sent along her way so as soon as Brittany was taken to the hospital was checked out and taken care of the police started to question her to try and understand what was going on
0: yeah so um Again, I think something that I also noticed about the case of Jaina's injuries were she could probably survive except for she had one wound that was uh, basically... It was a very hard hit on her spine that basically broke her spine. And that's why she died. So she could have technically survived. um, But Brittany was just... There was a lot of blood around there. So it would seem as if she was injured but a lot of the injuries again as Kate said were very superficial and um there were also a gash in the crotch area of Britney's um leggings which kind of allowed the police to think that maybe there was some sort of sexual assault happening to both women um But again, some things were definitely not adding up. There were two sets of bloody footprints, and basically the police concluded that one of them belonged to a woman and the other one was basically a larger footprint. So it could be to, like, the attacker slash robber slash
1: murderer. We don't don't know. So as the police talked to Brittany to try and understand what was going on because so few things were making sense, Brittany gave them a story of... Her version of what happened that night she said that after her and jana closed the store britney realized she forgot her wallet in the store so she called jana and asked to be let back into the store the two of them went back um, and when they went into the store to get Brittany's wallet they left the door unlocked they thought it was going to be a quick in and out trip so they didn't mind leaving it unlocked Brittany said that two men allegedly came in behind them and started attacking them One of these men was taller, around six feet tall, and the other was shorter, from five foot three to five foot five. The taller man attacked Jaina, and the shorter attacked Brittany. So, at this point, that could start to explain the difference between their injuries, because the man that allegedly attacked Jaina was so much larger than the man that attacked Brittany. The men reportedly separated the two women, so they couldn't see what was happening to the other, but they could hear each other, because they were in the same building, they were just one or two rooms apart. Um, Brittany had her ankles and her hands zip tied and her hands were set above her head in a sort of awkward positioning. And the man that was with Brittany started to torture her. He repeatedly hit her, not with the intent of killing her, but just to call her, to cause her pain. He started calling her racial slurs and said her full address to her which makes this seem that this was not a random attack. It was a targeted attack. It makes it seem as though the attackers at least knew Brittany before coming into that store. And Brittany said that the man also raped her. But there's a lot of complex details to this story.
0: Again, something that I want to point out, just put out there, um, Lululemon has a policy where uh, employees on the closing sh- shift need to check each other's bags, um, to look for things in case anyone stole anything. And this was the case um, the night uh, before the murder. Basically, um, Jaina found a pair of leggings in Brittany's bag, and she confronted her. She was like, hey, what's
1: going on? And then from then on, we don't know what happened. So I, I don't know if Jaina had found th- Found the pair of leggings in Britney's bag, or if she had suspected her of taking them. I think she may have mm-hmm. seen that a pair of leggings was missing. She went to her and said, Hey, has anybody done the check of your bag yet? As the routine goes. And she said that somebody already did it, but Jaina asked around and nobody had checked Britney's bag yet. So yep. it's assumed that she did steal this pair of leggings. She also did have a history of stealing from previous jobs I believe she was previously fired from a different location of Lululemon for stealing and I believe she was also already caught stealing from this location of Lululemon as well and she was on her last strike they told her that if they caught her stealing again she would be fired so obviously Jaina accusing Brittany of stealing and threatening to report her was something that Brittany did not want to happen
0: yeah Um, but again, the police was still following the potential murderers and suspected men. So they checked the CCTV footage from uh, the Apple store next door and they saw two men dressed in all black walking past, uh, at around the time of the attack. So naturally they followed them. They asked around the local stores if anyone had bought a ski mask recently, um, but what they found is that the two men just actually worked at a nearby restaurant and they were dressed in all black because that's their uniform. And the employees at the Apple store during the attack, they heard a lot of noise coming from the
1: Lululemon store. The employees at the Apple store thought that this was just some kind of co-worker drama when they heard all the screaming going on. They reported only hearing two women's voices and never hearing a man's voice. So this could be assumed to be just the voices of Jaina and Brittany that they were hearing. But if, as Brittany said, these two men were yelling at them, talking to them, why didn't the Apple employees hear a man's voice at this point? There were two men who, according to Brittany's story, were being loud enough that the Apple store employees should have been able to hear it. But there was no report of that. So this, along with some other factors, made the police realize that Britney's story didn't totally add up. Their one lead of the two men on the CCTV footage hit a dead end. Um, and they also realized that the only weapons that were used in this attack were from the Lululemon store. The attackers didn't bring their own weapons. They used the Buddha statue from the store and tools from the store toolbox. Which, the store toolbox also isn't usually out in the open. It's usually something that only employees know where it is, and if these men were planning on robbing the store, if this was truly just a robbery gone wrong, then how would would they have been able to act quickly enough to know to get the toolbox? Or if this was a planned out attack, why didn't they bring their own weapons? The zip ties that Brittany was tied up with also belonged to the store, but Brittany said that she thought that the men just got them from their backpacks. Um, so a lot of this isn't making a lot of sense at this point. So if we think about it, there were two attackers, two
0: women in the store, but they were only um, all they found were two foot set of footprints. So. Um, There was a lot of suspicion as if, like, why, first of all, the footprints in the blood never left the store. And what they found of the larger footprint that um, hypothetically belonged to a man was basically from a shoe that was found in the store. So the murderers came in, got their shoe from the store, and then walked around and took it off when they left, which is... A very interesting
1: um, story to tell. Which also, if that's what happened, then where's the other set of footprints from the other man? Mm -hmm. Where's the other set of footprints from the other woman? There was only one woman's set of footprints and one man's set of footprints. There were two women that were attacked and two men that were supposedly attacking. It didn't make a lot of sense just looking at the footprints. If the men left the scene of the crime... Why were there no footprints outside of the store? Why would they come in and put on a pair of shoes that they didn't know were going to be there until they (laughs) got there? And put on these shoes, just trudge around the crime scene, and then take them off, leave the shoes there, and go? It didn't make a lot of sense. And I do believe that upon further examination, they started to notice that it seemed like the shoe prints were the larger shoe prints were intentionally placed over a woman's set of footprints. Mm-hmm. So, a million more red flags going <laughs> off at this point.
0: And again, it's crazy the difference between Brittany and Jaina's wounds because uh, Jaina was dead and Brittany had um, very few wounds, enough for her to recover very quickly mm-hmm. and be ready for investigation immediately after being taken to the hospital. Yeah
1: she only had two wounds that needed any sort of medical attention and as they examined the wounds a little bit more to figure out how she got them they realized that the wound on her hand seemed like it was consistent with an attack wound. If she was stabbing someone with a blade if she was holding a blade the blade could have slipped out of her hand and cut her hand. The way the cut was positioned it seemed as though it was inflicted by her attacking somebody um, possibly losing her grip on the knife trying to tighten her grip on it trying to catch it and cutting herself in the process and then the wound on her head seemed like it was a result of Brittany attacking someone with an object and then pulling the object back too far and hitting herself in the head with it instead and the rest of her wounds the superficial ones seemed to be intentionally self-inflicted They were at an awkward angle for someone else to do. So at this point, the police are wondering if Brittany had something to do with this attack. They weren't immediately assuming that she was the sole attacker. They questioned whether or not she was working with the attackers, and she knew about the attack in advance of it happening.
0: Yeah, and again, we talked about how Brittany had a history of kleptomania, And how basically that could have been something that led to this. Somehow they could be connected. Again, like, the police just thought that maybe she was working with the attackers. Um, But, again, now we get to the car. Um, Basically, um, Brittany said that Jaina had parked um, illegally in front of the building when they returned to the store. Uh, But... Her car was nowhere to be found, and police assumed that the attacker stole it. And later, a police officer saw the car
1: parked three blocks away, only two hours after the murder, with someone sitting in it. When they did this forensic testing, they found both Jaina and Brittany's blood in the car, as well as a hat that had Brittany's blood on it. Now, you might remember that Brittany had a wound on her head, and the blood on the hat seemed like it was positioned in a spot where, if Brittany was wearing the hat, that's how her blood would have gotten there. Um, Brittany then changed her story um, and insisted instead that the attackers made her move the car and then walk back to the store. This didn't make a lot of sense to the police. Originally, she said that the attackers had probably stolen the car, um, but police didn't quite understand why... If Brittany was given the opportunity to get in this car and drive away, why she didn't just keep driving to the police station? Now, we don't want to question how a victim acts in a moment of being attacked in a traumatic moment like this, because Mm -hmm. fear and trauma make a lot of people act differently and may not make you act rationally. But it didn't make a lot of sense for her to drive this car three blocks away and then get out of the car and walk back to a scene where she knew that her co-worker was being brutally attacked and where two attackers were waiting for her. Apparently, on her walk back to the store, she also walked past a police officer and never asked for help. And it just seemed so confusing that she had this perfect opportunity to save herself and potentially save Jaina, and she didn't take it.
0: Yes. And just to add a little bit of dimension in there, um, police did a rape kit on Britney, and there was no evidence of sexual assault. And so far, if you've been following and if you've kind of put the pieces together, we kind of come to the conclusion that this may have been
1: something that was planned by Brittany herself. This wasn't a heat of the moment thing. She sat and tried to figure out how to get away with this after the fact and even though up until this point it was all kind of speculation of whether or not britney was involved the one bit of information that kind of sealed the deal for police was they realized that there were teeth marks in the zip ties that were around britney's wrists indicating that she had tied them herself Because if you're putting zip ties around your wrist, you can't tighten those with your own hands. The only way you can tighten it without help from anybody else is with your teeth. So Mm -hmm. she tied herself there. She didn't have help from anyone. If there were other attackers, they could have helped her make it look a little bit more staged. She had to tie it herself. And the way that she was found seemed very, very posed. The way that she had her arms above her head, she could have very easily moved her arms into a more comfortable position but she didn't she was sitting in this very posed way that didn't seem natural even if attackers had forced her to sit like that it wouldn't have been natural for her to stay sitting like that for the hours after the attack but with now the motive of her being caught stealing and potentially at risk of losing her job and the forensic evidence that places her in jana's car the teeth marks on the zip ties the bits of her story that aren't adding up police came to the conclusion that there were never any attackers and it was all Brittany. and i would just like to remark on the fact that it is phenomenal how quickly the police worked in this case they saw very quickly that things weren't adding up and only a week after the attack took place Britney was arrested. The Lululemon location where this occurred now has a sort of mosaic in in the front window that is meant to tribute to be a tribute to Jaina. People leave flowers outside of the store to remember her. They've done an incredible job of acknowledging the tragedy that happened without letting it define their brand and making an effort to remember Jana.
0: Just to give you. little bit of background on Jaina and to humanize her a little bit she was also she was an athlete and she was very invested in anything um especially extreme sports she would do a lot of like bungee jumping and stuff like that she was very invested in learning more about the science of athleticism and uh all her co-workers liked, liked her and when this came out, again, like, her family said that Jaina had never talked about Brittany because she was not in her circle of friends because they didn't get along. Um, and, again, like, we suspect this is because of Brittany's behavior, but Jaina has been um, said to be a
1: lovely person. <laughs> to give a little bit of peace to Jaina's friends and family, Brittany was found guilty of first-degree murder and was sentenced to life in prison making sure that justice was brought to the tragedy that occurred to Jaina. And that basically concludes our case for this week. Thank you so much for listening. We will catch you in our next episode of Horror Sex